Hello and welcome to a new season of Made in Lancashire. Uh, we took a month off to recoup, refresh and get over all those lovely bank holidays we got given. So we start off today then. Uh, we had a chat with Paul from Sight Flight, chatting about what he's doing with drones at the moment and uh, what's happening in his world. So I'm going to shut up and let's get on with it. So I am chatting today to Paul from Sight Flight. I'm going to have a chat about what it is they do and uh, what he gets up to. So good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Jill. Thanks for having me. Sight Flight, S-I-T-E, not S-I-G-H-T. So Sight Flight, do you want to just sort of vaguely outline what it is you do and then we can get into chatting about it? Sight flight, yes, certainly. Um, well, the name originated um, from an idea I had. I used to work in construction for many years as a quantity surveyor. And uh, the dream of always working for myself, I took the plunge uh, to do that, starting with a drone. So the idea originally was to incorporate drone footage over construction sites and sight flight. Um, but since then, I've branched out into other avenues um, away from just taking photographs from the air it's actually been video mm -hmm. and then ground-based uh, uh, video as well uh, for businesses who are looking for videos to help promote themselves so yeah from the air which was great i thought there's a lot of business down on the ground that could also benefit yes. so don't limit ourselves to just one thing but i, I kept the name because i like the name it's kind of catchy <laughs> no one else had it so yeah, uh, exactly. it's kind of stuck but i am associated with being the drone guy <laughs> So you're the drone guy. So, okay, something that's that's sort of curious to me then. So what's the most unusual place then that you've done a drone at? What's the most unusual setting that you've ever got involved in? Unusual? Um, yeah. Well, when we, when, we, well, when we think of drones, we think of, of going over fields and or going over factories and doing it from above or etc., have like you had, file, yeah. Yeah. Have you had something that was slightly different in that respect then? Um, I came close to getting a job. I was going to fly it inside. I mean, mine's not one of these little drones that buzzes around under conveyor belts and mm -hmm. all that. Um, but I have nearly flown it in a warehouse over machinery. That, that job sadly never happened. Um, yeah. I have kind of flown it halfway into a building where we followed somebody walking along and then up through the door, mm -hmm. and then things started to get a bit hairy, so that was quite unusual, <laughs> because yeah. they're not designed really for that. Um, I've recorded at castles, obviously the fields, I've done factories and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, um, just running through my head of all the videos I've done, it's some, they all blur after a while. Um, und underneath trees, I've done that, that's quite kind of scary as well. Um, Underneath trees, as in you've been do, doing like a, a like a tunnel of tunnel of trees. Oh right, That's, yeah. Uh, kind of uh, a bit scary, but I mean, a notable one was that I did. Um, I took some footage for the Royal Lancashire Show. Granted, it was more on the ground, but we used, mm. used um, some opening shots from the air, and it actually got shown on Songs of Praise. Would you believe? <laughs> um, they were there recording and asked yeah. if anyone 
could give them some aerial stuff. So they asked me and I provided it to them. So I've actually got a little bit of a BBC time from a Sunday <laughs> night a few months ago. So that was quite kind of cool. Well, yeah, it's something to add to the uh, the old portfolio. Yeah. Of course, uh, a lot of people go out and they buy themselves these little drones off Amazon and other various yeah. places that you can buy them off, not realising that there are certain limitations, aren't there, that you can sort of fly them around and heights and all this. And don't you have to do, um, I would say an exam, but I don't know, do you have to do... Um, do you have to be a, a certified licensed carrier or? Mm, it's, it depends. It's that old answer. It depends. When I started, yeah, I had to, I think I went on a course for two or three days, mm. uh, cost a lot cost a lot of money and came out with a, 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 qualific- a certificate to say that yeah. I was capable of flying and, you know, well, it gave me permission for one to, well, it did literally give me permission. Things have changed now and it goes off the weight of the aircraft. Right. So these little things... That, as you say, you can buy an Amazon um, or anything from up to 200 and uh, less than 250 grams yeah. can be flown by anybody, anywhere, as close as you want to people. As soon as you go over the 250 gram mark, it's a whole new kettle of fish and you certainly you would need to get some kind of qualification is that because, in order to do that. Is that because the, the heavier they are, the higher they can fly and the more they might interfere with whatever else is in the sky in essence it's the weight and the risk of health damaging someone's health if yeah. it fell on you um, <laughs> you don't think of that one do you i must admit i was always thinking that the problem with drones would be sort of crashing into helicopters or going up high and coming into low-flying aircraft i never thought about them actually just cutting out and killing someone potentially it works both ways yeah i mean my first drone was ooh, it weighed a few kilograms real heavy beast um, but it's a good a good aircraft but but you're right you are limited with height it's 400 feet in this country which yeah. is 120 meters that should give 100 feet of separation between yourself and let's say yeah. a light aircraft who should be at 500 so you've got a bit of a buffer there yeah it's uh it's all good stuff so yeah it's it's all down to health and safety as you'd expect yeah and and rightly so it still doesn't stop people from doing things naughty when and then they shouldn't and being close to places where they shouldn't be. Um, so location's another factor as well. You don't need to fly next to a prison or nuclear power station yeah, that, anytime soon. Well, that, that kind of sounds like common sense, but it's amazing how many people at the moment, um, the good old TikTok people that seem to get uptight when they can't photograph or put drones over certain places and you're thinking it's a prison of course you can't it's strange the way some people's minds work um so what drew you then to to getting involved in photography and then obviously the the videography and then and the drones etc is it just something you've always been interested in or yeah it's like it's like turning a hobby into um into something to earn money from they say what don't if you uh, if you do something you love you'll never work a day in your life it's i was the guy who being on the group holidays i had the camera so i was always behind the camera recording people 
skiing down a hill or something like that and putting together the little video montage at the end of the holiday yeah. and sending it out. And I've always, I've always done stuff like that. I think I bought a video camera with my second ever wage packet back in the day from, from Dixon's. Oh, my um, goodness. If you remember them. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, a, it was a hobby. So I figured, you know, do something that I really enjoy doing. And I saw an opportunity. I thought a lot of businesses, SMEs, don't have videos and the companies out there of which there are many and very good ones like that i figured there's a price point at which they wouldn't pay so i thought well is there is there an opportunity here to you know offer affordable videos to the smaller companies who might not Mm. normally be able to afford it and get in that way so that's who i've been targeting the smaller companies who would benefit either from talking about their brand what they do yeah. on camera or not maybe it's just a montage set to music it's whatever style that they want <laughs> exactly and, yeah. and they could use that for the social media put it on the website and obviously gain benefit and traction and more business through people watching it and thinking oh yeah i've got a decent firm i'd like to yeah, uh, I must admit, buy something from them exactly i was on your website and I, I sort of saw the word shorts and i immediately this is with my marketing head on now i'm immediately thinking oh yeah because um i love youtube um, I think for marketing and um, SEO purposes, website, etc., it's one of the most underused that people don't realise what a fantastic benefit it will bring. And of course, YouTube does shorts now. So yeah. when I saw that sort of you did shorts, I'm thinking like, yeah, this guy must be really busy. Unless, of course, people don't realise the benefit of these shorts and the fact that, you know, um, YouTube is owned by Google, so if you put something on YouTube, Google will like it because it has to. And yeah, sorry, I'll shut up now. Get off my high horse on that one. But yeah, but do you? So you do shorts, as in people can use them and upload them for for the various platforms these days. Happy, yeah, happy to do shorts. I've done a few myself. Um, it's a weird one because shorts lend themselves mainly to the mobile phone, the vertical, and as the name suggests, short. So really, Google's or YouTube shorts are kind of, uh, have come off the back of Instagram and their reels and TikTok, Mm. which all provide these little short uh, form videos, which people can, in essence, make themselves quite easily. And I'm seeing more and more of that. And I'm not, it doesn't worry me because I advocate, I say, get your phone out, start videoing yourself, get out there. And it's only when you want to step up to the next level that you might talk to me yeah. and I come along and we take it further. But yeah, shorts, I think, are great for businesses. Mm-hmm. Just wanting that off, off the, on the cuff, sort of like fly, talking to the uh, camera about yeah. what it is they're doing. Well, doing next, show, may- show the customers something, and it, it's, it's like instant, yeah. isn't it? It's a very quick turnaround as well. Yeah, well, m- maybe there's an, an opening for you then to um, offer um, sessions where you charge people to come and learn how to do a quick short effectively using their phone. Maybe, Perhaps yeah. that's the next thing that you need to move on to, just to make sure that we're not all doing the old side of the face or the, the wrong angle <laughs> or, the, or the too much light or too much dark. I mean, that's got to be a standard one for 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 those of us who mess around who haven't got um the round circle lights that shine in your face etc or you're out walking and it's oh you see them sometimes and you as a, you as a professional must think yeah. what the heck are they up to i don't mind it because it comes across as authentic doesn't it someone's talking to the cameras of walking and the camera's shaking and all that 
it's and, and maybe they're saying about what they do and they've been, mm. you know something that they're gonna be doing. I get this. Comes I, across as being authentic and yeah. genuine and rather than manufactured, and it's got. I think it's got something to it. Mm. I, I think anyway. Yeah, and and uh, as we were just chatting about before we actually started uh, recording this, we were talking about the the new drone centre at UCLan and um, the fact that they have realised that there are so many different ways now that drones can be used in an innovative way. Wow, I managed to say that word for once without <laughs> stut- stuttering over it. Yeah, for instance, I was talking to somebody who is going to potentially be using drones to... Um, maybe harness them to clean high-rise tower block windows or people who are using drones for other things. Can you see a potential for taking drones to a different level within your business then? Can you see that you can maybe use them for something slightly different? Personally speaking, probably not. As industry, for definite, it's going to go and go and go. I mean, we're already seeing out in Africa and far from places in the middle of Australia deliveries by not drones as we know them in this country like little um, uh, helicopters yeah. but sort of more aircraft style ones with a longer range delivering medical supplies out where it would have taken hours and hours to drive um, but it can be flown in mm. and you know, blood samples taken and returned I think I've seen in the past something like that we're only just exploring the tip of the iceberg on yeah. this. And I know I've seen the UCLan at, uh, at various expos. I mean, agriculture, the farming industry, yeah. that's certainly something that's going to... And is receiving the benefits from surveys of crops and where they should be targeting well, you've, various... You've got ar- you've, well, you've got architects, project managers on construction, etc., using drones to go up and check instead of having to get all the safety gear on and put up extensive yep. things they're using drones now aren't they to check on work etc so yeah i think i think drones are here to stay um i think it's very much up to us um as individuals how far and what we allow them to do yeah a lot of it is going to be driven by commerce i believe mm-hmm. i mean we've all heard about amazon drone deliveries yes uh certainly been trialed in America, um, I don't know where they're at over in this country. Will we see it anytime soon? I don't know. I don't know. But they are certainly going to be pushing the limits and yeah. of what's possible with themselves and with the authorities. And there may be a whole new set of rules that will come in for the, the domestic and other commercial flyers. I don't know yet. It's uh, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. It will be, yes, as you say. Yeah. Um, it's at this point that I throw in one of my curveball questions and uh, Paul has gone and admitted that he's been listening to a few, so he probably thinks he might know which question he's going to get asked at this point. And I'm now nervous because I'm running out of ideas as to unusual questions, so maybe I need to revisit that myself. Um, Paul. Yes. Most embarrassing thing you're willing to admit to? Um, (laughs) we get to see the human side of the man here oh crikey Um, oh so much I mean I I studied in London I was a student down in London and what we didn't get up to flipping out Um, (laughs) let's say for instance totally off the top of my head and keeping it for a family audience Um, one of my hobbies used to be surfing still is still do a bit now but not, not, not as much as I used to we used to go surfing in Devon lots so when we came back after a weekend say we were 
still in the surfing mode. I've surfed down escalators, down on the underground, <laughs> literally on the on the handrail, not, not hurting anybody. But I remember one time it didn't go so well, and I went down, and my friend said they just saw the escalators coming up. They saw my feet first, then my body appeared as I came up the escalator, feet first, having yeah fallen off the handrail. Oh dear. So, does that answer your question? Is that, you know? Yes, that'll that'll be embarrassing. Well, be, yes, everyone will be asking you now if you'll yeah. you'll do some surfing for them on their escalators next time they see you. Sure. <laughs> so, how does anybody get in? Get to find out where you are. I mean, have you got a a, a website? Have you got? A, are you on LinkedIn? How can people find you and get in touch and make contact okay. with you? Kind. Yes. Uh, well, I suppose the first port of call is always the website. See what I've been up to. They can check out my portfolio, contact details, read a bit about me and mm-hmm. the Sight Flight Dog who's here looking at me on the, from his dog bed. Um, yeah, sightflight.co.uk. Okay. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, just type in, type in Sight Flight. LinkedIn, I come up, I've got a little page there and uh, equally Twitter, yeah. Twitter, Instagram and um and that So stuff. you're on all of them basically. So if somebody yeah. can't find you, they're an idiot. Well, it's, it's it's a case of spelling the name right because yeah, as you say, S I T E. S I T E. Sight people, yeah. not not vision. I know. With hindsight, it wasn't the best uh, <laughs> the best company name, was it? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know because people then will spend ten minutes talking about it and saying. Why have you called it that? I mean, that's how we started the conversation. So yeah. maybe it is a good. Um, thing to get people talking about the business i don't know Bloody, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah I'm, uh, I'm always trying to get to the top of google failing miserably but uh yeah i'm always trying a bit of seo trying to get up there i see other incarnations of site flight i think it was a south african charter company that's trying but mm. i kind of just kind of just a, slightly ahead of them just for now at least <laughs> yeah. Don't get me onto SEO. It's it's what I've loved throughout most of my life. So I'm not even going there on it. It's been lovely chatting to you, Paul. Um, and as I say, if anybody wants to find you, LinkedIn, website, Instagram, Twitter, just just go look up Site Flight S I T E Flight. Um, thanks very much for that, then, Paul. Thanks, Joe. Enjoyed myself. Thanks. Nice talking to you. Thanks to Paul there. So next I caught up with Hafsa and Neil from Aquaspira. Um, I'll let them carry on. Thanks, guys. Welcome to another session of Made in Lancashire. Uh, I've got two lovely guests this week, Neil and Hafsa. Hi, guys. Hello. Hiya. Sorry, I use the word guys to mean everybody and anybody. I should be careful, shouldn't I, these days? <laughs> Hello, people, maybe, very, I should say. Very, very generic term, very generic. It is, isn't it? Thank you. I don't want to get in trouble for saying the wrong thing. Um, so, you are from Aqua Spira. Am I saying that right? That's correct, yeah. So, do you want to tell our listeners, then, what Aqua Spira is about? Because, to me, it's pipes and plastic. So that's probably a vast understatement of what it is you do. So I'll let you, the experts, tell us, everybody. Yeah, it's a bit more than uh, plastic and pipes. We're, yes. We are a pipe manufacturing company. 
we use a relatively new technology, a composite technology, which incorporates steel into plastic, HDPE, which is a, a, a higher grade plastic, essentially. And the essentially you get the benefits of the plastic, which is uh, you use a, a much lighter pipe. And then the steel introduces the uh, strength, the stiffness of the pipe, which yeah. essentially you get a, a, a very durable, lightweight pipe. And in, in essence, it will become part of the uh, carbon reduction program as we head towards net zero. It's, uh, yes, that, that was going to be the question. It's the fact of the word plastic these days just evokes images of things floating around in the sea and fish getting well, mutilated. Well, in, in, interesting. So. That's, that, that's precisely why it's a relevant product, yeah. because it doesn't break down in the sea, a very aggressive environment. And that's why it's good for pipes. So, yeah, there are bad aspects of plastic, uh, but this, uh, dare I say, I think is one of the good aspects of plastic. Yeah. And we need to keep sight of that. Yeah. So plastic pipes that carry what? Anything uh, and everything? Or? Uh, yes, um, primarily uh, it's for stormwater attenuation. Um, obviously, you know, as we start to develop land that was previously meadowland or whatever, the, the, the rain falls and permeates through the ground. As soon as you put a hard surface on there, the rain falls, hits the hard surface, surface and runs off into the drains. And this historically has caused problems downstream flooding. So what we're really in is about the primarily is about the management of stormwater. Um, but obviously, uh, plastic is a very inert material. Yeah. And uh, for sewage applications, uh, you there, there is a problem with uh, concrete in uh, you, you can uh, compensate for it. But essentially, uh, concrete is degraded uh, by chemicals, uh, hydrogen sulfide uh, within the sewage system. And so you have a product that should be very applicable to uh, both foul water and stormwater. So it's it's sort of where the next because we read a lot in the press at the moment about um, the water companies and they've got leaks and they've got all sorts of other things. That is because they've got concrete, I presume, and it's down, no, it's no, degrading the, or... The, the leaks the leaks really refer to the potable water right. and the problems they've had. I, th I think the historic technologies are substantially better these days. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I would expect to see, although we're not part of the leak programme, I'd expect yeah. to see significant advance to be made in that area. No, we're, we're about the management. I suppose we've been in the news a lot of late because of the uh, surcharging of the uh, foul water systems into the rivers and seas yeah. uh, and in fact um, off what have just announced an incremental 1.6 billion of spend to reduce these uh, discharges yeah. um, and interestingly 900 million of that I believe if my figures are correct of that 1.6 million will be spent uh, in this area in United Utilities area uh, and no, no great surprises the higher the rainfall the more problems you have yes Yes, I won't go on about the rain too much. My kids, <laughs> bless them. We moved up from Buckinghamshire a long time ago and I'm, I'm, my daughter came to me age nine and she went, Mum, we'd been here about eight weeks at this point in Lancashire and she came to me and she went, Mum, does it ever stop raining here? No. Hafsa no. and I both understand that. <laughs> it is, it can Hafsa, be, yeah. Hafsa. It's a slight shock if you've, if you've been 
somewhere, say, in the middle of the country that's that's further down south, you don't tend to get as much rainfall, obviously, coming off the... Well, uh, that's Hafsa's awesome. <laughs> London, I was Kent. Oh, well, we were Buckingham, so Oxford. Yeah, so I, I so yes. When, when I moved up, I took five degrees off the temperature, Excellent. added about 30 inches a year to the rain and 50 miles an hour to the wind. Yes, but we wouldn't have it any other way now because we no, all live we out. And it's nice and green out there now. <laughs> It is. It's a lovely day out there from the time that we're recording this. So you've worked. I mean, I, I, I do admit to having a quick, quick, sneaky peek at your website, mostly because I wanted to better understand what it was you were doing. Um, and there was a phrase on there that was smart sense. What's smart sense? Right. This is uh, an adaption of pipes. And yeah. Basically, what we're saying is we're trying to look at pipes and say, well, what other uses uh, can, can a pipe do? We, we obviously our primary function is to uh, to manage fluids, primarily yeah. water and sewage. But actually, there's an awful lot of information in a pipe. And one of the areas that in particular we're looking at is soil stability around the pipe. Mm. And that has a number of or many ramifications. Uh, you know, if you, for instance, you think of the rail industry where they're, uh, they're going through cuttings, you get land instability. And obviously, if you can combine your drainage with sensors embedded into pipes, which is really what we're looking at, then from the from those sensors, you can understand the tension, the forces within the pipe. And yeah. from that, you can understand what's going on in the surrounding soil. Uh, and that could have a lot of ramifications, particularly where it re really maintenance and safety are involved. You yeah. you you can start to <laughs> monitor the performance of an asset, and you know come back to reducing carbon in the economy. It's all, all all sensible stuff. But one of the ways you do that is rather than doing uh, a regular maintenance, uh, maintenance, you do maintenance on the basis of need. Uh, and if you've got the sensors out there. You can start to uh, you can start to be uh, more more surgical in the way you approach your maintenance. It's all about data in a way, isn't it? Yeah, um, obviously that's going to you, you have a sensor. It might be out in the middle of Buckinghamshire or somewhere like that. You've you've then got to get the data back uh, and analyze it and yeah. understand it, and that's the other element. So yeah, there, there's sort of two ed edges to the technology here. Yeah. I noticed that you'd uh, you'd worked with a university. Unfortunately, not not one of the three in this county, but you'd certainly worked with a, a first class university. Were they helping you develop this product in some way? Or? Uh, yeah, it, it it was a partnership, really. Um, you know, the, the, these there's all, uh, always an element of luck in these things, and we uh, we actually started because um, we, we were trying to answer. We kept, we started in 2010 and people kept on asking us when a vehicle drives over our pipe, the pipe will deflect. And to an extent, that's true, providing there's there's uh, insufficient cover over the pipe. And then yeah. they'd ask what force returns the pipe to a circular shape? Well, it, it's not really a proper question. And but we were fed up with being asked it. So. We actually invested quite a lot of money in proving that the pipe doesn't deflect when a vehicle, uh, uh, you know, obviously subject to adequate cover, where, yeah. where, when a vehicle drives over the pipe, if it's in a road or whatever. 
And that actually started with, it was a really more chance encounter with Cardiff University. So yeah. Uh, we had a, a very se a successful knowledge transfer partnership with them and that really got the process going and we started to think about more about the pipe, how it performs. And then I suppose it was more uh, as, as fate happens, uh, we, we met up with Professor Nigel Cassidy and uh, we, we started to exchange ideas and we thought it was initially the idea was to see if we could really start to get prove how the pipe performs under uh, HS2 conditions. Yeah. And I think there are potentially properties of the pipe and the certainly the initial data seems to bear this out, um, that our pipe is very different from all other pipes in one respect, and it's key respect. We The steel is encased in a rib that surrounds the outside of the pipe, if you've seen it from our website. And essentially, that rib engages with the backfill. Yeah. And that's really important because it gives you soil stability immediately around the pipe. If you're going to have a problem with a pipe, there'll almost certainly be a soil instability around that pipe. And that engagement, uh, uh, particularly in something like HS2, uh, you, you get this. I'm not as you. I'm sorry. I'm not a technical person particularly, but you get an incredible shock wave that goes out in front of the train, and is very damaging uh, to pipework and anything under the ground or in the immediate vicinity. And really, what we were wanting to look at was: does that rib essentially diffuse that force that comes out of the front of the train? And so, actually, at National Buried Infrastructure Facility, uh, we tested the pipe under. Uh, essentially a, 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 what was a live rail track with high-speed trains running over it. I can't remember the number of passes, I think of seven, 8,000 passes equivalent. Um, and we, we were the first product, You, mm. we were essentially the trial product in the National Buried Infrastructure Facility down at Birmingham. It's absolutely state-of-the-art uh, facility, yeah. uh, definitely a world leader. And it, it's great to see that happening that proper what are called proper research and development and anyway so we, we've just completed the tests and there'll be more coming out of it so you'd recommend then if anybody had any necessity they should approach a university to see if they can help with the risk the research then surely i think pe people seem to think universities are just there for people to go away come out with a degree or a master's or a whatever forgetting that they are a body of researchers aren't they Yes, and they're an incredible resource. Mm. Uh, they, you know, you this we we see the pipe really more as a canvas, a blank canvas on which yeah. you can do things. And you know, we're a bit bit early to, to you know to to go into too much detail. But we are looking at other uh, uses um, of our pipe from ar arising out of that work with the University of Birmingham. Really? Uh, very some very interesting stuff going on there. So there's more to come yet. So watch more this to come. space. Yep, more to come. Brilliant. Um, I like to throw in a curveball question, as our listeners will know. So um, I have to say, you've been very quiet because Neil's done all the talking. So um, we're very, we're, we're not used to that, by the way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> She was being polite, weren't you? No, she's. <laughs> Hafsa, what is 
the last picture in your phone that you want to admit to us? What's it a picture of? I'll have to check one. I have too many. <laughs> I'm interested in this one, by the way. I'm interested <laughs> in this one too. Um, work related or slightly casual? You, you the person. Uh, me, right, okay, let me see. You the person. Let's have a quick insight into you the person. Me the person. It was actually from the weekend when I went down to Birmingham. Um, so we did some shopping. <laughs> right. So it's not a picture of food. It's not a picture of you dancing on a table or. No, all yeah. the other pictures that I have would have um, my little child in. <laughs> she it's less of me now, more of her. <laughs> yes, that tends to happen when you get kids and grandkids. Everything goes out the window and it's just them. They're so damn selfish, aren't they? They're so needy kids. <laughs> Who'd have them, eh? Neil, you won a million pounds. What's the very first thing you'd buy with it? Hmm, a house probably. Not that I would buy it, but my wife would tell me to buy a house. We 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 sold our house to start the business, and I think it's about time to think about getting getting getting, getting a house and some stability. See, you see, if I won a million pounds, and the very first thing I'd probably buy would probably I don't know would probably a pair of shoes to start with, or something totally random and silly horrified or... horrified at the price of shoes uh covid seems to have uh you know what what was normally uh you know perhaps a couple hundred pounds has now doubled and tripled uh, yes i think everything's, I did, go everything's yeah. going up at silly rates at the moment and it's um is it any wonder the old charity shops are thriving <laughs> you don't know where i buy my shoes I wear my shoes to death. Nobody would want my shoes, I tell you. It's been lovely chatting to you and understanding then what it is that uh, Aquaspira does as a business. If anybody wanted to find you, you are both on LinkedIn, are you? Could anyone come and connect with you on there? Yeah, so we're on LinkedIn and Twitter. So what are you on Twitter then? At? Uh, Aqu Aquaspira. Right. And you've got a page, I take it you've got a business page on LinkedIn so they can come and see and, and connect with you and ask loads of questions and find out how you got working with the University of Birmingham and how they can do it properly. That's usually that's usually the question that arises from when people it's, do it. It's, it's yes, certainly if if anybody's interested in doing mm. uh, I'm R&D, very, very welcome to come up and see us. Uh, and where, you know, we, I forgot to say, where are you based? We're based in Nelson. Nelson. Okay. Just round the, the back of Woodhead, which is close to Asda. Right. So you're, you're sort of that end of the county. Yeah. Yeah. I think just another thing to like note from the conversation is if someone ever wanted to get involved or see like potential opportunities, it's mm -hmm. very easy to contact us. Um, yeah. If they just send an email to our generic email address, info at aquaspira.com, um, it's always monitored and we'll be able to like go through uh, to someone directly rather than having to go through corporate channels. Yes. And that way they can at least come chat to you. And it might be that somebody just wants to ask questions about how you how you got started, what it is you did so that they can use it as a bat. Or maybe somebody wants to come and ask you hundreds of questions and um, has an idea for where they can go work together, collaborate. Maybe I don't know. I love that word collaboration. I just wish more would yep. do it. Yep. 
So it's been brilliant to talk to you. Um, and as they say, Aquaspira, go find them on LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that then. Thanks, guys. So there we go. That's another episode of Made in Lancashire done and dusted for you. If you want to ask any questions and you're on Spotify, please do. You can you can record a question and we can answer it for you. If you want to get involved and get on our podcast because you've got a story to tell and you're based here in Lancashire, again, get in touch. Let's have a conversation. Let's get you interviewed. Let's get our listeners to hear your story. So that's it for this time. Catch you soon, guys. Toodles. Thank you.